the tabernacle, the, the Ark of the Covenant, was acacia wood in the middle, but it was gold on both sides. <laughs> and uh, wood speaks of humanity, but gold speaks of divinity, the glory. And I know we're supposed to have this glory in our experience, in our life. And uh, don't be satisfied with anything less. You know, the old saints used to say, the greatest problem for a believer is when he becomes complacent. And when you lose your spiritual hunger, then you know you're in trouble. Because if you don't eat and drink, you're going to die. <laughs> As in the natural, so in the spiritual. So we've got to eat and drink. And you know, the enemy will do anything he can to stop you eating and drinking and coming to the table of the Lord. But you know, God's table is always laid. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's always laid. There's always a feast. God's into feasting in a big way. <laughs> he likes having, uh, and he likes meat and drink. <laughs> he likes this idea of you having everything supplied in your life <laughs> because he's a God who's more than enough. Isn't it wonderful that we got a wonderful Savior? We got a wonderful gospel, but it's not religious. <laughs> you know, religion hasn't got any joy, has it? But we've got joy. It says it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. <laughs> and so we rejoice. You know, Nehemiah came back to rebuild the temple, and it says in Nehemiah, the joy of the Lord is our strength. If you lose your joy, you've lost your strength. But we can have the joy, because it's with joy that we draw water out of these wells. And we say, spring up, oh well. And you can start drinking, and start eating, and enjoying the presence of God. The shorter catechism is this, that we glorify God and enjoy Him forever. We're supposed to enjoy the presence of God. You know, when Henry came, he said, I come to put the joy leg back. <laughs> and he has. We're supposed to have joy. We're not supposed to be dried up old prunes <laughs> with lemon faces. We're supposed to be beaming, joying. We're supposed to experience the glory of God. And uh, I don't know how the Holy Spirit's going to leave me this morning. I, I, I got so many things going through my head. I say, Lord, please unscramble it and let it all come out as he wants it to come out. But you know, I suppose one of the most important things we've got to grasp is this, what Jesus says in the temptation in Matthew 4, 4, he says, easy scripture, remember, isn't it? Matthew 4, 4. <laughs> Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of where? Mouth of the mouth of God. We are supposed to hear God as God's people. We're supposed to see the kingdom as well. And God has given us an ability with a new heart to enjoy his presence and see him. And you know, he says in Matthew 5, then he says, God then, Jesus is then teaching us in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 how to live the righteous life. Details, instructions. But when he opens it up, he gives us the Beatitudes, doesn't he? And in the first three Beatitudes is the character of a Christian. The middle Beatitude, the greatest promise in the Bible, it says, they that hunger and thirst 
After what? Righteousness. There's the key. And where there's a gospel, as we said before, with no righteousness in it, we've got a problem. Haven't we? But if we can hunger and thirst after righteousness, and then we've got the three other ones, which are the attributes of God, and then he gives us the definition of a Christian, your salt and light, and then he tells you in the other chapters how to live this righteous life. That's why we've been dealing with Romans, and we've been saying, haven't we, that Romans, the foundation of Roman epistle is justification, sanctification, glorification. And we're supposed to have this glory, as Hebrews 2 says, <clears throat> to bring many sons to glory. Why? Because we're supposed to have the presence of God in our lives. And you know, there's, you know, when we were speaking about righteousness, and if you look in Matthew 22, there's a parable there. I just mentioned this in passing. And it's a parable about how God has called us all to the feast. We're all called to the feast, God's house and God's feast. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king which made a marriage for his son. And we are called to this feast. <clears throat> and we read in this parable that um, these people said, oh, I'm too busy. I got a farm. I got to be on my farm or whatever, you know. I got my career. I got my hobby. And this is our problem, isn't it? We cannot live without the bread from heaven spiritually. We've got to have this bread. And we've got to watch this in our lives. I know I've got to watch it. <clears throat> you can soon get very busy when you're retired at 101 things and forget where your source is. Your source is heaven. It's your great high priest and you need that bread from heaven. What is, what is the model prayer? Give us this day our daily bread. That's only natural but spiritual. <clears throat> you need spiritual bread every day. You need God to speak to you every day because if you can eat and drink, this inner man inside you is going to get bigger and stronger. And if you can get stronger, your faith can get stronger <clears throat> and you can develop in your faith and become a mighty man and woman of God. God wants you blessed. He wants you strong. He wants you to overcome. He wants you to be a, a warrior in the spirit, doesn't it? You know, so when the enemy hits you with fear, you say, I'm a child of a king. I've got the greater one inside of me. I've got Christ in me, the hope of glory. And I exercise my faith, and it begins to develop. And I ride over that fear. I ride over that, whatever that is, because you've got power from heaven. The word of God is quick and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Why? Because you need to be hearing. Why? Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The enemy wants to shut you up. So don't let him. Because it says at the end of this parable, and when the king came in to see the guests, he saw in there a man that did not have on his wedding garment, didn't it? He didn't have it on. And he said to this friend who came in here hither not having a wedding garment. 
he said to this man, Friend, how comest thou in here not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him, hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Pretty strong statement. Well, what is the wedding garment? It's your robe of righteousness. You hunger and thirst after righteousness. I tell you what, this is the key to the gospel. And if we are going to glorify God and have the glory, your faith has got to be of a quality that glorifies not you, but God. True faith glorifies Christ. It glorifies him, doesn't it? And he said, many are called. You're all called. But not, and he says, but not few are chosen. Why is that? Because some people are not willing to do what God wants them to do. They want to live by this, that, and the other, instead of living from every word that proceeds from the heaven above. In Matthew's Gospel, there's another chapter that is a very interesting chapter, and it's Matthew 13. If you turn there, you'll find that in this Matthew 13, you've got seven parables. Seven parables of the kingdom. Each one of these parables is speaking to you and me. <laughs> Jesus is teaching us something here, a big principle about the kingdom of God and about the word of God and that the word of God is seed. It's seed. When the word of God comes to you, it comes to you in seed form. And that seed has to be planted in your heart and spoken out of your mouth for that seed to come up and produce. It's the parable of the sower. And you notice, if we haven't got time to go through it all, but just to say this, that only 25% of the people that hear this word actually become fruitful. Now, you don't want to be one of the 75% that is not hearing the word of God. So it's very important for you and I to hear what God is saying, receive it, believe it, and confess it. Because you, you, when you start to believe what God says and say it out of your mouth, you're putting into action the power of God. The power of God is beginning to work in your life when you believe it and say it. And this is what Jesus said, and this is what Paul says. He says, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Well, a believer is a person who confesses. Because Romans 10 says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, it shall be saved. It didn't say believe with your head. This is not intellectual. This is a heart job. Henry used to say, it's a heart job. And it is. If, if God hasn't got your heart, he hasn't got you. Son, give me thine heart. Who do you love? <laughs> what do you love? Is it Christ or is it some other lover? You know, it's all a challenge for us. All the time, we, I'm being challenged. All the time we've got to understand where our source is. It's heaven. There is nobody else, only Jesus, that can take you from earth to glory. 
And there's only Jesus that can get you into the glory day by day to have his presence and his power. It's Jesus. It's nobody else. He's our great high priest. It's tremendous. He's tremendous. Now, when you read Matthew 13, you've got two sorts of people in here. One are followers of Christ, and the others are disciples of Christ. Now, the question you've got to ask yourself is, are you a follower, or are you a disciple? Yeah, because it says, when he opens it up in this Matthew 13, he says, I speak to them a power, behold, a sower went forth to sow, and when he had sowed the seeds, and he's talking about sowing seeds, isn't he? And then he goes down into verse 14, he says, and the, and the disciples said to them, why are you speaking to us in parables, Lord? Why are you talking to us in parables? And this is what Jesus said. And he answered, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them, he said, it is not given. Now that says to me, I don't want to be one of the them. I want to be one of the disciples of Christ. Because <laughs> I'd like to know what the mysteries are. Yeah. Don't you want to know what the secret is of this kingdom? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I do. <laughs> because I want to live a life that pleases God and glorifies God. And then he says, And whosoever hath, listen to this statement of Jesus, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But to whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away even that which he hath. Now, that's a big statement. That means that if you do not progressively partake of Christ and on a daily basis live in, not by bread alone, but by every word, the bit that you ate yesterday will be no good for today, so what you had yesterday is gone, so you need something today, and instead of increasing, you are going to decrease. Understand? Because faith comes not by what you know, but faith comes by what? Hearing. Hearing is a continual process. You know, there are a lot of people know a lot in the church, and it's all up here. It's all intellectual. But it doesn't feed the inner man. When you're hearing God, faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. And I've got to keep hearing. I, I, you know, I look at this Word and I think, where is it all coming from? It's coming from heaven. This Word is as big as God. You will never exhaust this. We're talking about God's kingdom. This kingdom, the more you look into it, the bigger it becomes. Oh yeah, salvation is the greatest thing on the planet. There is nothing greater than the good news. But the world looks at us and thinks, oh, what are they doing? But we can see it because we've, the mystery of it's been opened up to us and we can see this kingdom, and they can't see nothing. Why? Because they're blinded by Satan. Oh yeah, they're blinded. 
But when the gospel comes, when I got into one of these glory meetings as a teenager in Newark, suddenly, bang, the whole spiritual world opened up because I was a dead spirit, and now I was a quickened spirit. I was made alive, and I now could hear and see things, and I was walking on air. I thought I was walking on air. I came back to our house, in, and we had these silver birch trees, and everything looked beautiful, and the flowers looked beautiful. And I thought, oh, this is brilliant. You know, the first love, isn't it? <laughs> it's brilliant, isn't it? The first love. You know, when you meet that girl the first time, wow, you know, whoa. <laughs> but we've got to get our love renewed, our first love back. We've got to start loving Jesus. He hasn't changed. It's when we move, it gets different. We've got to move closer, <laughs> haven't we? We've got to get close to Jesus. He's a person. He feels it when you grieve him, when you ignore him, when you don't come to him on a daily basis and say, Lord, please, give me a word. Give me a word. And that word will speak to your heart and your spirit. It will strengthen and feed your inner man, and you'll be strong. You get a good complexion. <laughs> you get better looking. You start shining, Alison. <laughs> you'll, you'll feel younger. <laughs> Moses was what? 120? His natural force wasn't abated. He didn't go to an optician. He didn't have crutches. <laughs> he was under, supposedly, an old covenant. Well, if he was under the old covenant and he's got something better than we got in the new, what are we doing then? What are we... What? <laughs> but as I said to you before, there's a lot of confusion in church, isn't there? A lot of confusion. <laughs> and all this confusion is about ditching the old and think, you know, they, they're so much below us, I've heard these preachers say, my goodness me, are we below Moses? Whew. The glory of God that was on his life, he shone. Have any of us shone? I haven't shone. Have you guys? My face hasn't shone like that. Has yours shone? You might, get, you might be shining a bit more when you go out. <laughs> we get a bit more of the glory. <laughs> you know, Henry used to say, you get into this, the glory said, and when you go out, you get better looking. And he's right. <laughs> you get quickened. Oh yeah, you need quickening. The other day, you know, I'm, well, whatever age I am. <laughs> and some days you feel it, don't you? I said, Lord, quicken me. Oh, I said, good, you ask. Yeah, you ask and you receive. Oh yeah, you can ask and receive. <laughs> ask, seek and knock, isn't it? According to your faith be it. And the Lord gave me this scripture, what Apostle John says, as he is, as he is, so are we in this world. So when you feel a bit weak, think about that. As he, Christ is, in his glorified state, so are we in, because I'm in Christ. Oh, we've got to get this. And the other scripture the Lord gave me, as your days, 
So shall your strength be. Meanwhile, the senior will be able to jump around. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's good, isn't it, what we've got? Yeah, we've got the gospel. It's good news. <laughs> We're on our way to a wonderful place. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're on our way, we used to sing, to the glory land. We used to sing it and sing it. Oh, I tell you, it's wonderful. Well, I, I can see this, that it takes a conscious decision for you and I to become a disciple. You know, a lot of people want the fish and chips, like the, as it goes on in the next chapter, and it, Matthew 5 or 6, is it to talk about the feeding of the 5,000? Oh, give us ever more of this bread, Lord. Yeah, give us more of this fish and chips, you know. No, no, it's not about that. It, I mean, you can have that, but it's more, I'm coming to see that God, sanctification is a process that's removing what you think to what God thinks. And when we start to think like God thinks, things become very different because we see things in faith. We put our faith spectacles on. And when faith spectacles are on, it looks very different. Because if you haven't got them on, like the children of Israel in the wilderness, all you'll see is giants and walled cities and problems and big barriers to your life. But when you put faith spectacles on, like Caleb, they're meat for us. We can eat these people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can eat them. <laughs> yeah. But you see, what faith does, the more you study the Word of God, you, your God gets bigger. <laughs> he gets bigger. <laughs> Jesus gets bigger. <laughs> doesn't he? He gets bigger and bigger and bigger until you think, my, Christ is in me. This will not phase me. The underground will not phase me. I'm going on that underground. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it will not phase me. <laughs> What is your problem? Jesus can fix it. <laughs> We've got to get a consciousness of who we are. Yes. Somebody spoke in, in um, Peterborough and said, little George, you know, this Prince George, he, do, he doesn't really know who he is. Well, there's some people sitting in church who don't really know who they are, you know. Who am I, you know? I've got all these feelings and all these fears. I'm a feeling person and I feel this and I feel that. No, no, we're supposed to be a faith person. Hallelujah. We're supposed to be a faith person. They just live by feelings? No, they live by faith. <laughs> the righteous live by faith. Well, if you haven't got any faith, how can you live the righteous life? Impossible. Absolutely impossible. You know, the enemy, if he sees a weakness in you, he's going to keep pushing the button. So you need to get faith to replace the fear. It's either fear or faith. It's either unbelief or believing. And I've discovered that God does not like unbelief. It's the big problem with God. When God says something to you and me, and we say, 
How can this be? If God has said it, and that's the point where we've got to learn to live that we do not live by bread alone, but by every word. And that word is the word you need that brings you faith. That if you believe it and speak it, it works. It's tremendous. It works. And this is what he says. And this is the point. Where is it? In this, in this chapter, Matthew 13. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and should, I should heal them. Think about it. Conversion. Healing. Big thing this is. Because if you stop hearing God, you're in problems. Oh yeah. We could turn that round and say, if you can hear and you can see, then you will be converted and you will be healed. Amen. Yeah. Turn it around the other way. See, so you've got to understand that you're in a, a relationship, a fellowship. And that fellowship is what God has called you to. And whether you're this, that, or the other, God called me. Now, for many years, I wanted all this in life, and God had to do something with me. As I said something in Peterborough. I lost something. I lost a lot of lot this world had. But I gain what's in here. Oh, yeah. I gain the riches of his grace. It's far better for you to have the riches of the kingdom of God and to have the riches that are out there. Yes. Isn't it? I mean, God will give you riches out there. I'm not saying if you, you know, he's here to prosper you. But I'm saying if that interferes with your fellowship, it's better for me to have Christ than to have that. Because this is temporal and what God gives you is eternal and it's gold. It's divinity, isn't it? It's divinity. Now you and I have got to make this choice, haven't we? And he says, blessed, and this is what he says to his disciples, Jesus, blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears that they hear. If you're hearing and seeing the kingdom, that's the most wonderful thing you can have in life. You've got it. You've got Christ. So when you come to this word, come in faith. And the Holy Spirit will begin to work on that word to speak into your heart so that you understand what God is saying to you. Understanding. If you go on to these parables, Jesus gives the interpretation, doesn't he, of this parable. And he says, the first person, he didn't understand. So the seed had no effect in his life. You see, God, the mind is involved. The heart is involved. And the soul is involved. We are a tripart being. You know, when, when that man was at the pool of Bethesda, Jesus said to him, 
Not will you be healed, but will you be made whole? God wants you whole. Spirit, soul, and body. And when there's a problem with those three, you, you get disease. That's where disease comes from, when there's conflict between body, soul, and spirit. But when they come into unity, you get wholeness. It's wonderful, isn't it? Jesus has come to make us whole. But this business about the seed is very important. I've come to see something that um, when God, many of God's people say, well, I prayed about this and nothing's happened. You cannot pray to God about anything until God gives you a word to pray about it. If you've got a need, you have to wait upon God for him to speak to you and he will give you a word from God and that will come as a seed into your life and you plant it in your heart. And then you believe it and say, thank you, Lord, for giving me this word of promise. The greatest man in the, in the whole Bible that got one word from God he only got one word. He didn't have 66 books of the Bible. <laughs> he didn't even have the Torah. But he had one word. One word. Only one word from God can solve your problem. But you've got to wait on God till he gives you that word. You can't presumptuously just go to your... Um, one of these promise boxes, you know. No, it don't work like that. No, it's not a lucky dip. No, no, no. You've got to wait upon God. God wants to see whether you're in earnest. He's testing your heart and mind. He's saying, do they really believe me? Is this person really serious? Do they really want to be disciple, or they're there just for the buns and cakes? You don't like to be used, do you? Who likes to be used? Take what they want and then run off and no thanks. Well, God doesn't like it either. Because we're made in the image of God. We're in a relationship. We're in a fellowship. Many are called, but few chosen. That's the reason why. Some people want to take what they want and do what they want. No, it doesn't work like that. You're in a covenant. I'm in a covenant. That's why unconditional love is a bit of a flaky statement, really. It's flaky. I don't think, like things that are flaky, because when you touch them, they, they collapse. No, this is a covenant. This is a word from God. And I'm coming to see that in my life, I've got to find God. I've got to get on my face, as we said about Jacob, and say, like Jacob, I am not letting you go, Lord, until you bless me. We've got to have a determination in our spirit where we're not letting go. And then God will come through for you. Oh, God likes faith. He likes people who've got a bit of <clears throat> in them. He likes people who go for it. <laughs> he doesn't like flaky people. <clears throat> I'm special, see. And God loves me unconditionally, you see, with all my stinking behavior and everything. No, 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 no. No, no. He doesn't like flakes. He wants people who are serious. As it says here, are you a follower or are you a disciple? 
It could come down to even this, are you a Mary or a Martha? I don't know. Maybe that's a bit extreme, but but I'd like to be a Mary. I like to be a John. <laughs> John was everywhere where Jesus was, <laughs> wasn't he? He was everywhere where Jesus. He even heard that prayer, as we said in John 17, that great, wonderful, high priestly prayer with John. Jesus praying, "The glory I had with you, I know I'm going to have it back, Lord." I'm going back to the glory. And that glory I give to them. That's you. Me. I give it to them. That's what you need in your life. What's the point of being justified and sanctified? To have the glory. <laughs> the weighty provision that God... And you know, when Moses said, please show me your glory, God passed all his what? Goodness before him. Goodness. The psalmist said, I would have fainted unless I'd failed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Oh, I tell you, when you've got faith, you begin to see <laughs> the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Woo! It's wonderful. When you get favor, goodness on your life is coming from heaven. It's, it's the different kingdom. It's the kingdom of God. It's heavenly. Do you know what faith is like? Faith is like a big conduit that goes up into the heavenlies. And when you need a need, it just comes shooting down the conduit into your life. Faith takes. Faith receives. Faith gets hold of it. So I need faith. <laughs> This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. It's personal. It's yours. It's given to you. When you repent and turn to God, it's the God kind of faith. It's tremendous, isn't it? <laughs> I tell you, it's wonderful. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich, and it addeth no sorrow. No sorrow. <laughs> no sorrow. It's joy. It's joy. It's joy. It's joy unspeakable. And it's full of glory. It's full of glory. Yes. I'm not going to be satisfied. I stumble at times, but the Lord says, pick yourself up, boy. Pick yourself up. What are you doing on the ground? You're a son of God. Get up. Start moving. Come on, you can do it. You can do it. What is the message of Revelation? I know that all these people are arguing about the seven different major revelations of Revelation, and it's all getting very sort of worked up about it. No, it's all about Jesus. <laughs> it's all about winning. <laughs> it's all about being a conqueror. It's all about overcoming. <laughs> it's all about being a mighty conqueror. Why? Because Jesus has conquered everything for us, as he is. <laughs> So are we in this world, as he is. So are you in this world. Come on, get your mind renewed. Well, it would never be renewed if you don't read this. <laughs> this takes the junk out and replaces it with the word of God. Clearance. Yeah. It goes to God's spiritual tip. Get it out. Get your mind renewed. <laughs> 
he takes it down to his glorious incinerator. <laughs> yeah, he knows how to get rid of the rubbish. Oh yeah, the enemy can fire all sorts of nonsense at your mind. Oh yeah, he's good at it. Fiery darts. Oh yeah, he can have a go at you. No matter how long you've been going in the faith. <laughs> he's no respecter of persons, is he? Satan. He's just, a, he's just an awkward one. He doesn't give up, but we're not giving up. We've got a greater one in us. And that's why you need faith. As Ephesians says, faith is like a shield. What does a shield do? It quenches all those fiery darts. <laughs> it quenches. They don't even get to you. Just put your faith in. And he stopped. No, we've got to realize who we are. Well, this seed, this man, he gets one word from God. Do you know who he is? One word from God, this man in the scripture. Abram. One word from God. I heard a preacher this last week talking about this, and I thought, you haven't got it quite right, brother. <laughs> he couldn't make out where the promise came from for Abraham. But it's in the word. And think about this promise, Genesis 3.15. I'm going to give you a seed that's going to crush the serpent's head. It'll bruise your heel, the cross. And this is the seed that's going to take over the whole world. Now, I don't know whether you realize this, but Abraham lived 20 generations after that promise. And between that promise, there was the flood, which came 10 generations after that promise. So somebody must have told somebody to tell somebody to tell somebody to tell somebody that Abraham heard this word. Now, it's the same for us. This word is seed. It comes to us. But will you believe it? Will you have faith to believe it? You say, well, you don't understand how bad my circumstances are. Hang on a minute. How big is the promise? Isn't it? How big is this promise? How big is this seed? How powerful is this seed? Isn't it? How powerful is this seed? Think about Jesus. That's how powerful it is. Think about it. Think about Jesus. That's how powerful the seed is. The man who gave up. They couldn't take him. Every time they came to take him, they all fell down like dead men. He said, I am he, and they all collapsed. Soldiers and all. They couldn't take him, could they? They tried to throw him off cliffs. They tried to do this to him. Why? Because it wasn't his time. It wasn't his time, but he gave his life up, didn't he? Didn't he? He gave his life up, Jesus. Think about it. If you were there with John, as we said in Peterborough, at the cross with the three Marys, and you saw Jesus suffer like that, the wound, the suffering, six stone of embalmment, put into a tomb with soldiers guarding it, and huge slab over the stone. And one of those Marys comes to the tomb. The slab is gone, the soldiers are gone, 
and it walks in the tomb, and it's empty. Well, she didn't walk in. She met Jesus, didn't she? She thought he was the gardener. But the other disciples, when it is empty, that's the power of the seed of the word of God. His resurrection power. <laughs> Hasn't it got power in it? And we've got to believe in this word that this word is quick and powerful. It is. It separates, you see, what my mind thinks to what God thinks. And that's what I've got to come to. Abraham. So I don't know quite. Abraham got hold of this word anyway. No, he was not some ungodly so-and-so, in, like some of the Matei and Kodakaldis. He had a word from God. And that was the word. One word from God. Read this in Romans 4, and you can see what Paul says about this. In Romans 4, 17, well, 16. For the sake of time, I won't read all this scripture, but it says, Therefore it is faith that it might be by grace, to the end the promise might be sure to what? To all the seed. The promise is sure to all the seed. Not to that which is the law, but that also which is the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed in God, who quickeneth the dead. It quickens the dead. And calleth those things that be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken in this, this statement. So shall thy seed be. Yeah. So when you begin to grasp that you, this word of God, as Jesus teaches you, is seed, that you plant in your heart, you believe in your heart, and you speak with your mouth, you're putting into your heart something that is the power of the kingdom of God. It's, it's going to begin to work in your life. You see, so what is it this about this man Abraham? Why is it? That he, well, he was the first man that actually got hold of this and believed it. I mean, you've got to understand, when Adam fell, it was utter, an utter catastrophe. I don't think we've got really any idea about the fall. The state of innocence he was in, he lived in that perfect state, and then suddenly he did something where he was told not to do it, and he was warned, if you do this, you will come under a curse, and death will come into your life, and he lost the glory, he was put out, but he's got a word from God. A seed. He's got a word from God. And this is what we've got to grasp. And that is the word that Abraham believed. He said, when God said to him, and he said, I believe, Lord. This is the statement. He believed God, and it was accounted to him for what? Righteousness. So when you get into righteousness, you're coming into justice. 
Your salvation is legal. Oh yes, signed and sealed with the blood of Jesus. It's written documents, signed and sealed. Yes, it's forensic then. It is. It's legal and it's forensic. You've got the DNA of God now because you're born of God. Yeah. You're born of God. And when, when Sarah, and, I, and, and it took them 25 years, mind, to get hold of this. 25 years, their faith had to be developed. 25 years God was sanctifying him to get him away from all he thought, you know, this Ishmael business and where is it God? And, you know, God was dealing with him like he deals with us all to get to the end of ourselves. So we say, we can't make it. No, we can't. It's by grace through faith. By grace through faith you're saved. It's a gift. Amen. Isn't it? It's a gift. You can't earn it. This is the wonder of the gospel. This is why religious people just can't get this. They just can't seem to get hold of it because they think, I've got to work for it. Yeah. No. The job has been done. Jesus said, it is finished. It is finished. The job has been done. But with that faith... Abraham then began to believe God, and the longer he went on, his faith developed. And your faith has got to develop, and my faith has got to develop. And never think, the Holy Spirit said to me, you've arrived, because if you're every living by every word that proceeds, as the children of Israel could not live in a wilderness without bread from heaven and water out of the rock, you cannot live in this wilderness of this world to get to your Canaan, your promises of God, whatever that is, without believing. Because if they didn't follow the glory, if an Israelite didn't follow that glory cloud and they strayed off on their own somewhere, you would never see them again. They'd been bitten by something or eaten by something or died of thirst. Don't you realize that's a picture for you and I to reinforce upon our minds that this world is not your provider. It's the kingdom of heaven. It's the word of God. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word. We've got to give more attention to this word. But you don't need a lot of it. Abraham only had one word. <laughs> Think about it. Think about this man's faith. The longer I look at him, the more I am amazed. But he's teaching me what the true nature of true faith is. Yeah. You know, people say I've got faith, have they? Is it presumption? Because I can tell you another thing Paul reveals to his spiritual son, Timothy, is you can only hold faith in what? A pure conscience if you're condemned if you feel condemned you can't have faith you can't hold on to it it'll be spoken you can't get hold of it because you can't hold on to it the Lord said to me the most precious thing you've got as Peter says in 2 Peter 1 like precious faith that comes from God your Father and from your Lord Jesus Christ. It's the God kind of faith. Wow. And I was thinking, Abraham, this man got his name changed. 
he got this miracle baby called Isaac and Isaac means laughter it means joy you have to oh it's wonderful that you and then and centuries later there's a young person called Mary and we got the Magnificat and we and she said be it unto me according to thy word and you can say be it unto me according to thy word she didn't understand it you won't always understand it faith doesn't go on reasoning it goes on obeying the word of God did it make sense to to fill all those big huge water pots where people wash their feet it came from Galilee but Mary said Mary knew she'd been 30 years in the house with him <laughs> she's seen what Jesus could do <laughs> she said just fill the water pots and out came the wine so the nature of faith is you believe it you just believe God oh it's wonderful this gospel works this gospel works yes it works when you believe it are you a believer this morning <clears throat> I'm a believer <laughs> keep saying it keep saying it keep confessing it keep doing it you know James says a person who's a hearer and not a doer that bloke's deceived he is he's deceived he said he's unstable you know the Lord said to me get out of your religious boat of religion and step on the water with Jesus start walking by faith where you don't think it's possible but you can walk on the water with Jesus yeah you can walk on the water what seems impossible to you is what God said to Abraham is anything too hard for God is anything too hard for God of course it isn't nothing's too hard for God we've got to get hold of this how big is our God well the enemy wants to make small of you so that when you look at God he looks small as well no you're you're a child of God you're a son of God you're born of God and that's what Isaac was he was a child of God what is it this about Abraham's faith why is it what was the secret of Abraham's faith here's the secret he gave glory to God that is the glory he gave glory to God and it wasn't until Isaac was about 17 years old and he took him up Moriah and laid him on that altar that he understood the cross he looked his faith saw down the centuries and he saw that God himself was going to provide a sacrifice think about it God himself would be provide that sacrifice oh I tell you what good news it is that Jesus has done it for you and for me he paid the price the penalty of sin he's done dealt with it and we've been changed we're new creations we've been born of God we are born of this seed that seed is the seed of Christ 
And that is the seed in you that quickened you, that quickened Mary, and that's quickening you now. The word of God is quick and powerful. And it will quicken you who are dead in trespasses and sins. It stop your stinking thinking and you begin to think like God thinks. You begin to think like God thinks. Isn't it wonderful? This seed, look at this seed. It's powerful. It's incorruptible. <laughs> Isn't it? It's an incorruptible seed. And that seed went down into the ground, Christ himself, and it's brought forth many, much fruit. But Abraham was the one that believed that promise. Why didn't Adam and Eve believe it? Why didn't he not believe it? Why didn't Noah believe it? Why didn't Seth believe it? But Abram believed it. It took him a time to come to it. But that seed as Isaac was supernatural. That was a supernatural birth. And you are a supernatural birth. <laughs> You're born of God. <laughs> What does Paul say in 2 Corinthians 5.17? If any man be in Christ, he's a what? A new creation. We're part of a new creation. Not the old creation. What is 1 Corinthians 15 says? Adam was a living soul, but Christ is a quickening spirit. We've been quickened. Woo! <laughs> Isn't it wonderful? Are you a child of God this morning? Or are you bringing out your religious beads and counting them? <laughs> and all your brownie points have been putting up on the wall. I've done this and I've done that. Now all our works, Paul said, is done. Everything we do is like done. But everything Christ has done is like gold. Oh yeah, it's wonderful. Jesus is wonderful, isn't he? He's tremendous. Oh, do you know, I think we need to dwell upon who we are. We are new creations. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. <clears throat> but how do we preserve this faith? This is the important thing. You know, if somebody said, an old preacher said, if somebody gave you a Ming vase, worth a million pounds, <clears throat> you would look after it, wouldn't you? Yeah. You'd probably insure it, put it in a special security case with a lot of locks on, in case somebody nicked it. Ming vase. But you've got something that is much more precious than a Ming vase. It's the faith of God. <laughs> it's the most precious thing you've got. <laughs> It is. And we've got to get this mindset. Satan will tempt you to think something else is more important in your life than your fellowship and your walk with God <clears throat> and your walk of faith. And as we said in um, Peterborough, our faith has got to grow. Once you become self-sufficient and think, I've arrived and I've got it all and I'm okay and I'm saved and I got my ticket to heaven. That's a bit of an insult to God. 
isn't it? Our faith is supposed to develop. We're supposed to feed our faith. We've got to feed our faith. So God's word is the instrument that produces, but it also preserves our faith. It preserves it. Faith comes by hearing, but it also preserves our faith. He says, as it was the seed of your conversion, so the word of God is the milk and the meat to preserve your faith. You must look after it. Because it's by faith. When we look, you know, <clears throat> what does Paul say in Hebrews? He says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In other words, faith is like a title deed. If, you, if somebody gave you a house and you've never seen the house and they said to him, here's the deeds, it's paid for. If you've got the deeds, you've got the house. And we got the deeds. We got the house. Yeah, we got it. But we've got to possess it. Because if you don't have faith and go around and claim your house, some squatter might come and then wreck it. <laughs> yeah. You've got to claim it. So it preserves, your, it preserves your faith. So make constant use of the word of God. Isaiah the prophet said this in Isaiah 28.10. He said, it's precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, and there a little. You do not arrive overnight. It's a process. It's a growth. Do you ever plant a seed and suddenly it's up the next day, you know? No. It has to go down in order to go up. So what the Word of God does, it gives you strong roots so you're on a hard ground, you're not on stony ground, and you're not on thorny ground, you're on good soil. You've got to keep your heart with all diligence, Proverbs 4 says. You've got to get the weeds out of your heart. Unbelief, anger, strife, unforgiveness, all these things. You've got to walk in love because they're like rocks and thorns and stones in your heart. So when you hear the heart, you put it in and then somebody gives you really annoys you and then you have a little tirade and then you uh, blow your fuse and <clears throat> and then you say, Lord, I feel so condemned after all that. And the Lord said, I, no wonder if you carry on like that, you will feel condemned. <laughs> you can't do that. As we said before, you've got a little problem, one inch below your nose, and this is the, <laughs> this is it. What's coming out of your fountain, Jesus said? Mm. This. <laughs> but if I'm a child of God, it's praises. <laughs> it's thankfulness. It's worship. <laughs> oh, I've heard some things in my... <laughs> Some stuff that's come out of people's mouths. Why? And they say they're believers. Wow. It's because they haven't fed the inner man. 
and they haven't put enough in their spiritual fridge. <laughs> and there's not enough supply in there. So when the problem comes, it's the mind and the flesh speaking instead of the spirit. This spirit man's got to grow. Oh, he's got to get big. So the flesh doesn't dominate you. Now the flesh had a good go in my life to dominate me, I don't like you. I've had quite a problem with myself. <laughs> I don't know about anybody else. <laughs> I say, thank you, Lord, <laughs> for being so merciful to me. <laughs> you can get really fed up with yourself at times because, you know, <laughs> it's the Roman 7 syndrome, I call it. The thing that I don't want to do that is the stupid thing I do. <laughs> no, it's not the androgenic or the genet, it's just you. Romans 7 is just the normal man. <laughs> we all battle with it. <laughs> but thank God we can overcome. <laughs> Romans 6 says, you're crucified, you're dead, and you're buried. And thank God the old stinker's gone. <laughs> the old stinker's gone. <laughs> That's the way to keep looking at Jesus, isn't it? When you get these problems, and we all get them, something can really wind you up, can't it? <laughs> Satan is always trying to put a bee in your bonnet, or something, isn't he? But we've got to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Isn't it? Simple as that. Hallelujah. So Jesus taught his believers to pray for their daily bread because it's essentially needed. So we need, as we said. But look at your conscience. This is important. Um, this is an old preacher said this. A good conscience is the vessel that faith sails in. I like that statement. A good conscience is the vessel that faith sails in. In other words, as Paul says to Timothy, you have to keep it clear. You have to keep your mind renewed. You can't look at junk. Because that junk will get inside of you and mess your conscience up. Isn't it? You have to know, you have to keep looking into this perfect law of liberty. You have to keep your conscience clear. Because in salvation, when Adam fell, he had the mind of Christ, he had a perfect righteousness, he had dominion, he had the glory, he had everything. But what happened to him his, his, his body took possession of his, as the Lord of his life. And so man in his natural state is body ruled, isn't he? He is, he's body ruled. You know, if it looks good, well, have a piece, a piece of that, you know. Whether it kills him or not. His flesh says, eat it, and then it, it kills him. That's how stupid the flesh is. It's really stupid, isn't it? They suck these things and they all this smoke and <laughs> and then they drink all this whiskey and then they wonder why their gut's falling out <laughs> <laughs> oh dear 
And they carry on with all these women and wonder what's wrong with them down there, you know, and they've got something else wrong with them and all this nonsense. The flesh is ridiculous. As we said in Peterborough, the flesh is a gambler. But the spirit sees God. And I tell you what, it's this conscience we've got to keep renewed. The conscience. This is a good conscience. If the conscience is wrecked, he says, how can faith be safe? So if your conscience goes down, your faith goes with it to the bottom. Mm, that's right. And I know we've all battled with this. I mean, this is Henry's favorite verse. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Who are in Christ Jesus. And then it says, who walk not after the what? The flesh, but after the spirit. Yeah. And this is it, isn't it? We have to preserve our faith. You know, we were all tempted we think, oh, nothing wrong with that. Hang on. That can damage your conscience. It can, and it will. And faith will become shipwrecked, as this person says. Oh, yeah. Like a stone thrown into a clear stream, when you take on something like that, the muddies, the waters of your life are muddied. You fall into a pit of sin, but do not stay there. If you fail, repent. Get back and start looking into this perfect law of liberty. Keep looking at it. Keep looking at Jesus. Jesus is as much in Genesis, as we said, as he's in Revelation. He walks through the whole Bible. And Corinthians, you know, many of the great preachers said that Corinthians 1 and 2 is Christ our sanctifier. Romans, Christ our justifier. And maybe Hebrews is all about the glory. I don't know. But I believe that the Holy Spirit will help you in your days ahead <laughs> to keep your spiritual life going, to preserve your faith. So, because it says, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Mm. We're going to keep going. <laughs> Aren't we? Are you? When the going gets tough, the tough keep going. Look at your conscience, it says. Yeah. And you know, as we said about sanctification, I come to see this. The robe of righteousness that's on you is a perfect robe when God gives it to you. But you can get it stained. Yeah. And sanctification says to you, that's wrong and you repent. The blood of Jesus cleanses it. It washes it. And righteousness is something I believe that Abraham discovered. It was not only counted to him as righteousness, but the longer he lived his life of faith before he had Isaac, he came to a point where he said, I believe. There was no doubt. Full assurance of faith. So what is full assurance of faith? It's when he looks at God, he sees God's omnipotence, his everything about the qualities of God. He's so wonderful, he's so powerful, he's so glorious. And he kept looking at God, and this is what it says in the next verse. He staggered not 
at the promise of God, verse 20, through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. As we said, strong faith gives glory to God. And as you give glory to God, your faith gets stronger. So as we analyze it, it's like a divine circle of power. If you can get in this circle of power, like Abram, you will have your Isaac. It's getting in, giving glory to God, your faith gets stronger. And when your faith gets stronger, it's like, is it, what is it, the chicken or the egg? I don't know which comes first. But it's like a divine circle, the circle of power. The old saints used to talk about it. And that's what we want to get into. So that when we experience his goodness and his mercy, and this is what happened with Abraham, he staggered not. What does to stagger mean? Stagger means to, it means to estimate. It means to define. And you know, a staggering man, it's, this is what James says, don't be like that, don't be unstable, lacking in faith, wavering and staggering. And you know, sometimes in our lives, we have to develop our faith like Abraham did until we no longer stagger. Yeah, we no longer, is it possible? Can God do this? Or can he do that? Or can he do that? Or can he do that? You have to come to a place where all the staggering is gone. And you believe what God says. And he says, according to thy word. That's why it says about Abraham. <clears throat> and, uh, and there's another thing. You have to, to preserve your faith, you have to exercise your faith. Mm. You know, they say about, I wonder why I got very flabby here. I don't exercise, see? Everything's sort of very sort of uh, wobbly. But these people that exercise have got all these big muscles, haven't they? Well, you can exercise your faith and it can get stronger. <laughs> You've got to use it, haven't you? Exercise your faith. We live by faith. If you're living, that means you're moving. I hope. Anyway. <laughs> Aren't you? If you're living, you're eating. If you're living, you're drinking. If you're living, you're doing something. So you've got to exercise your faith because they're just, what? Live by faith. That's how the righteous live. They live by faith. They exercise their faith. All strong men work hard. We will fail to get answers to prayer if we do not allow faith to pray continuously. If you will live in the promise every day, you will have the promise available to you in a crisis. And the more you consult the word, the promise the more confidence you will have in it, and the Christian life will be a life of faith. It will become a lifestyle. You will become like Jesus, and you'll start to walk by faith. Well, the Lord's helping me. I'm on my journey. I know I haven't arrived. But I, am, I believe I'm hopefully progressing. I'm getting stronger. I pray you'll get stronger.
and stronger so that your faith will develop and that you become and then it, the fourth thing is deal with the residue of unbelief unbelief comes against all of us it's the greatest tool that the enemy uses against us is unbelief but as you said the shield quenches the darts of unbelief and then fifthly labor to increase your faith as we said complacency is the most dangerous condition that you can have in your Christian life you've got to have a spiritual hunger it says they that hunger and thirst after righteousness they said Lord please help me the Lord help you not to give up understand that in you is a a seed, the seed of promise. You're a child of God, and God wants you to possess what He wants you to have. And the Lord will show you what you must have, isn't it? Lord, we thank you this morning for your presence in this place. We thank you for your word, Lord. Your word is quick and powerful, it is sharper than any two edged sword. The entrance of your word brings light, revelation truth sets us free it delivers us from ourselves and the world it sets us free and we become the people you want us to be lord increase our hunger increase our capacity increase our appetite that we will eat and drink that which is good and that everything we do help us to glorify you lord as we glorify you and use our faith our faith will get stronger and strong faith glorifies God because God likes strong faith we pray Holy Spirit now with every need in this gathering that we realize that this is the victory that overcomes this world whatever that thing is in our world even our faith help us Lord to get stronger help each one to get stronger help us to encourage one another to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. We thank you, Lord, for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet. It lightens our pathway. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. The more faith, the more inward peace, the more rest. We thank you, Lord, for this rest. If anybody's here this morning, Lord, that's got unrest, we pray that they'll turn to you, Lord, and find comfort and strength. Anybody that's disappointed, anybody that's hurt, anybody that feels rejected, anybody that feels out of it, Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit, that they will see that if they believe in Christ, they are accepted, they are beloved, and they are comforted in your presence. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, Holy Spirit. For this is the day, says the Lord, when I want my people to be strong. I want them to be the Caleb and Joshua's in my kingdom. I want them to be like the Apostle Paul, whose face was always towards you, Lord. And we pray, Holy Spirit, now that you will infuse into your people this desire to run and not be weary, 
to walk and not faint, and that they will wait upon the Lord, and you will renew their youth like the eagles, that they will mount up with wings as eagles, they will take their place in the heavenly places, and they will sit with you, Lord, in the heavenly places, and that you will minister to them, and they will know a new, a new day, a new day, that that day will dawn upon their lives, and they'll see Jesus in a new way. Jesus, you are wonderful. Oh, Jesus, we love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. You are so wonderful. You are so glorious. You are so beautiful. There is nobody like you, Lord. There is nobody like Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our griefs and pains to bear. Oh, thank you, Jesus.